Our series is called Crazy Little Thing Called Love. We're going to just talk for three weeks about this, but as I said last week, we're going to do it in a way that maybe we haven't ever really done before. What I thought would be really good for us to do is uh, in week one, do a little bit of a talk where I share uh, today, this week, uh, a bit of a perspective from the guy's side of things and, and speak to women about specifically in love relationships, uh, in marriage, what do, what do men look for uh, specifically in those relationships? And so we're going to do that today. Uh, then next week, uh, my wife uh, is going to join me. We're going to be up here on the stage. And I thought it would be good since, you know, she's going to be helping the men understand what women are looking for. It should come from her, uh, kind of representing the ladies of the house. And so she's going to be up here joining me next week, and she'll share uh, kind of what women want, and then we'll do something throughout the first two weeks that'll culminate in the third week, where we'll do we'll take your questions, maybe about things that we did not cover. You can participate in sending those questions in right now and over the next two weeks by scanning the little QR code that's on your uh, on your outline that you got when you came in. You can scan this one here up on the screen as well with your camera app on your phone. It will typically prompt you to click on a link uh, that will open up the place in which you can submit your own questions. We'll take the top ones, uh, you know, as far as quantity of the same topic, and we'll try to hit on those that were asked most. So that's coming up in the third week of the series. Let me lay the ground rules for my talk today as I share what men want. Uh, let me tell you that it is very likely that there are many things that I will share today that kind of uh, more geared towards marriage, but there are plenty of things in here for both married and dating people to understand uh, something about the man and uh, in, in what he goes through and his, his journey in life. And so I think those will be very good helpers though, whether you're married or dating or wanting to date and ultimately marry. Uh, let me also say that as I'm sharing this, uh, there's going to be a feeling amongst some of the ladies in the house to say, well, he wants that in a relationship, then he ought to do this. And well, Pastor Gary, I appreciate you sharing that, but he stinks at this. And so, um, you know, what does he expect, you know? And I know that that's going to be there, and I know that some of that is real. You're going to want to push back and say, but well, what about him? Uh, that's coming next week. In fact, I'd encourage men, as I'm sharing some things, you might have a thought of throwing an elbow and saying, baby, you need, you need to pay attention. You should wait till the full two weeks before you kind of do that. And so uh, we'll, get, we'll get through those things. But it is true that uh, there are going to be some thoughts. Like some of the ladies are like, well, he's not doing well. That is not what we're talking about today. Regardless of whether he is doing well or not, these things are still true. They're still true. All right, and then the uh, last thing I put in my notes is that these are just helpers. Uh, these are not end all, fix it. Come two weeks to New Walk, three weeks, whatever, and you, you know you're in a terrible marriage place, and now it'll all be better. Uh, not nah, these are just helpers. If you're in a terrible marriage place, get a counselor, get help, get therapy, deep levels of of help along the way. Uh, look, I've said this for many years, but getting a counselor is cheaper than divorce. And so get the help, spend the money, whatever it is, and get a counselor. Many of you, though, are maybe doing pretty well in your relationships or doing well in your marriage, and you will pick up uh, some information to keep that marriage that relationship strong as well. It's important for us to look really at the truth about these things. We spend 
So much time, even Christians in our culture today, instead of turning to God's word for truth, uh, we're going to pop culture. You know, we're going, we're watching shows online and uh, we go, well, that's the way a relation should be or shouldn't be. We just draw conclusions from some of the most unhealthy things that we could draw from. And, and so we have to pay attention and understand that, that it is God's word that really becomes the model or the example for relationships. It used to be many decades ago that we could say, well, if you want to see these in action and learn, uh, just look at the church. Because the church people get this and they understand it because they, they live a life for Jesus and they're modeling this in their relationships. But you've probably heard the data and you know that there are people in the church, the Christians, God's people, are also deeply struggling with understanding healthy relationships. Many believers are failing at relationships. And so that's why going to God's word above and beyond is, above and beyond is the most critical of all things. There are many people who come to church and they will clap and worship at church for many years and they die lonely because they do not understand good relationships. There are people that talk about preaching the gospel to all nations, but they have a terrible love record. Uh, look, the reality is uh, there are people in the church today that call themselves believers who've had more sexual relationships in their life than cars. And they've gone through one to the next to the next. And so we've got to decide, okay, where can I get the right information? I'm glad that you're here today to learn some, I think, was something that will be very valuable. In, in relationships, uh, it certainly helps to get more information, to know more the things that you need to know. In particular today, you know, I'm talking about the importance of understanding the other person. That's what we're doing next week, understanding the other person. There are many people that go into relationships and they're trying to hit a target in a relationship, but they're shooting blindfolded. And they don't know what, where they should really be going. They don't know the aim. And by you being here today to learn this information, it is certainly valuable to you at least to have better opportunity to hit those targets. I put this in, in your notes. Understanding some of these basic God-given desires of your spouse. Uh, not even hitting on all of them today, but this is critical for healthier outcomes. And marriage and love relationships and, and anything that we're, where we're trying to advance the journey into something healthier in relationships. And so we, we go and we, we get the truth. We're going to say, God, what do you say? Not the Kardashians, but God, what do you say that we need to know? And, and, and going to God is critical because God is the designer of relationships. He made it. He said every bit of it, he designed it all. As a matter of fact, before the creation of the earth and humanity, relationship was already happening. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Together, working together. When God made humanity, God said, let us, that's why it's plural, let us make man in our own image. A portrait of relationship already happening and then God creates. God starts designing the earth and he makes the plants and the animals and Simba and Timon and Pumbaa and all of it is created and then he makes man. But then it goes on, it says in Genesis 2, 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. We're talking about the woman. We're going to ultimately understand that's, that's the wife. God is saying to, to, the, to humanity, like, 
there is something when two join together that they can do together better than by themselves. And he's got things about him that are unique, and she's got things about her, and they bring those things together and be something even more powerful than they would have been by themselves. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two people are better than one. Genesis 2.24, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. This portrait of marriage, they become one flesh. That uniting brings a strength that should anyways bring a power to being together. Now, understanding that uh, God is the one that we want to turn to, uh, let's look at uh, some of the things I wanted to share with you, what men are looking for uh, in your notes uh, I put this, a man wants respect. And, and I'm not even talking about boys. Uh, you know, I'm not even talking about teens. But as a man starts to grow in his life, he learns to want respect. Uh, many men really spell love, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's just how they spell it. Uh, you may have thought it was T-O-U. C-H, touch. But let me tell you something. When a man becomes a man, it becomes respect. And he can deny it now or say maybe it's not real. At some point, he discovers that this is real. Respect is the most important element in any relationship. I can sit across couples who are in a terrible place, a terrible place. And at some point, the man says, we're in a problem here because she don't respect me. You might say to me, well, Gary, that works both ways. Absolutely. I'm not, uh, that's next week. But I can tell you, most every single time, it comes from the man. She's not respecting me. Listen, a man would rather live with someone who respects him and does not deeply love him than being with someone that he knows loves him but disrespects him. Disrespect is a big deal to a man. Let me just give you a sampling of how this worked for me just in one occasion of my life where I experienced disrespect, not from my wife, just from some person. But uh, just this will help you understand how this goes with men sometimes. Uh, I was playing basketball several years ago, and I was playing uh, on this team, this league, this men's league, and uh, we were in a game where uh, we were you know, going up and down the court, and then in just this one moment, uh, this guy just says in just really one sentence something very disrespectful to me. I'm like, where is that coming from, man? I know we're whipping y'all, but like, you know, it'd be disrespectful, you know. Anyways, so he's just one line. And man, I you know, kind of like, where is that coming from? It's unfortunate, you know. And then uh, a couple of years later, he started a business in this town. And he writes me on Facebook, sends me a direct message. He says, hey, Pastor Gary... I'd love to meet with you. I don't know if you remember me. I'm like, oh, I remember you. <laughs> oh, I did not forget that. I'd like to meet with you because uh, I've got this product. I think it'll be good for you and good for the church. And don't you know, he never set foot in this doors to meet with me. I was not going to meet with somebody who had disrespected me. Now, you could say, well, you're a little bit bitter then, weren't you, Gary? You need to go to God about that. You're right. Absolutely. But I'm just giving you an example of how that played out in my own life, imagine a man getting that from a woman who he loves five, 10, 50 times 
What level of resentment does he hold on to because he's experiencing this level of disrespect? When I was young, a woman's voice made me want her physically. When I became a man, a woman's voice caused me to want to seek that she would respect me. My wife could come at me and try to sex me up like crazy. But if she don't respect me, there's a problem. I will die for her. I will do anything for her until the disrespect enters the picture. A man who's grown up, again, not a boy, spells love, respect, not lingerie. It's important that we're setting the table here. Now, this is a problem, I think, for... um, culture, just like it is for a boy, right? We talk all the time. I do, especially because I work more with men. I tell men, I'm like, hey, one of the great challenges you have, sir, is that you grew up in a home where you didn't learn the things that you probably should have learned. So your dad wasn't around or he wasn't a healthy man spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And so he did not teach you some of the things that are important for a boy to be taught to become a man. And so I tell men, like, you got to go to God for these things you should have learned maybe growing up. And God can fill in all those gaps. He's amazing. He, he can do that. Well, women also have kind of the same situation. Uh, because they many times are growing up in homes that are now younger generations, very dysfunctional and, and, and when it comes to relationships. And so they're not learning some of the things that would be important for her to learn. Respect is one of them in a healthy relationship, marriage, home, where the man and woman are there. Uh, the woman models healthy respect towards the man. She takes that into her adult life, and she expresses respect in her relationships with men as well. She learns that in a healthy home. But if dad wasn't ever around, mama wasn't able to model that maybe as well. And so it becomes difficult for her as she grows up. Or maybe dad was around, and all she did was disrespect him. She sees that, and then she takes that when she gets older, and she disrespects regularly other men. Are there messy men who do very disrespectful things that are not worthy of respect? Absolutely. Again, next week. I'm just giving you some real truth about what men think and what they deal with. And just like I can sit across from a dysfunctional situation in a relationship and hear a man bark out the word respect, I can also sit across from some of the most special healthy relationships that people have been married for decades. And you know what I can hear from them? That we learned this principle, respect. We learned it. It's a centerpiece to a healthy relationship. You drill down to the heart of so many conflicts, you find certainly, uh, we, we certainly find women who are insecure we, uh, from the way they've been treated by this man. They don't trust him. Certainly we find women who feel very unloved, but we find a man who says, hey, I have dealt with this disrespect. What does the Bible say that every person who calls them a believer ought to do to anybody? Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. Respect, here's what it says, respect who? Everyone, and love the family of believers, fear God and respect the king. How can we win the hearts of people uh, in, in in humanity and culture and build stronger relationships even with the believers? We learn this principle of respect. What does the Bible say? That you ought to want for yourself. You should want respect. And so Matthew 7, 12, the famous golden rule from Jesus, do to others what you would have them do to you. This is in essence the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. 
What about marriage? Ephesians 5.33. However, let each one of you men love his wife as himself. This, this is next week. That's that part. Here's what it says for the women. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let me just be clear. Does my wife disagree with me at times? Absolutely. Does my wife have her own opinions that are very important that shape and affect me at times? Absolutely. My wife is not a pushover. She is not. But my wife has never disrespected me. And I can also say this. There have been times early on in my marriage I was worthy of being disrespected. I was. But she did not. And she understood the value of this principle. I think sometimes what we do in these, in these relationships uh, is we utilize certain responses based on behavior. And we almost want to m manipulate our spouse. Like, if you want respect, you better do this. That's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're manipulating the situation. If you want this, then you do that. Can I just tell you, there's nothing about godly marriage there. Like when you're utilizing, you want a response and you're withholding something until they do something and then you'll do something. That's not marriage, that's witchcraft. That's what witchcraft does. It manipulates other people's behaviors for outcomes. That's not anything that God designed for marriage. We have to be willing in relationships and in marriages to see that, you know, hey, that there is a response that's very critical consistently. I put this, though, in my notes. Performance-based love always ends bad. It just does. Have you stopped respecting him? Have you understood how important of a deal this is to him? The effect that a man gets on him when he experiences respect is powerful. Ladies, if you're in a relationship struggle, respect is a fabulous peace offering. Respect, in other words, being respectful with your tone of voice, not, not blaming, not shaming, not facial expressions that make fun of him, not hypercritical, not controlling, not trying to force your will on him, not trying to manipulate, not trying to devalue their opinion, not interrupting when they talk, not jumping to the worst conclusions, finding opportunities, though, to admit even when you're wrong, to say, hey, I, I just, I admit it. Here's the next thing I put in your notes. A man wants craves validation. He wants validation, and this is uh, a great struggle for a man. In fact, there are many men, as I share this point right now, they do not even know, this is a blind spot for them, they do not know this is a problem. There's some ladies going, well, how can I help him if he don't even know it's a problem? <laughs> All right, well, you can help him, let me explain, but yes, it is true that many Many men are not aware of how big of an effect this has had on, on their life, right? A man wants to be told that he's doing good, that he's got it all together, that he, he has what it takes, that he can accomplish great things. And many times the strengthening of that boy as he's young, that does come from a good father. A good father strengthens the masculinity of the boy with his words and actions. Does a father discipline? Of course he does. But does a father also take moments to strengthen and build up the boy in the good things that he's doing? Yes, right? My father, uh, to this day, you know, he's still, uh, you know, building me up, you know? Like, now, I have to tell you, 
I, I have learned that the ultimate validation that I need and where the source of it, it comes from God. I don't need another human to validate me. I know what God says about me. And that's important for me as a man. But many men are in their young ages. The father strengthens them. Son, you are so strong. Son, you are, you are going to do amazing things. Son, you are this and you are that. And it builds him up. And then along the way, the father says, now let me tell you about God and what he thinks about you. Let's point you to God because, you know, dad's not going to be around one day. And you got to know that God is the one you need to turn to ultimately. This is this portrait of masculinity bestowing masculinity. Men bestowing masculinity to another man, to a boy and ultimately to a man. This is why a woman can't do this. She can't. It's not possible. And so it comes from a man in healthy environments. We see it modeled in the Jordan River when Jesus was being baptized. It says this in Matthew 3, 17. A voice from heaven, God, said this. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. You see, father to son, masculinity to masculinity. He gets that validation and it strengthens him along the way. But many guys don't have it. And so what do they do then? They, they want to acquire things in life and then people will like me and validate me. Uh, they find uh, pleasures to validate themselves. They find a woman and they want the woman to validate them and tell them they've got what it takes. They're really something amazing. It is not fair, really, ultimately, for a woman to have to be the validator of the man. It's not. He should grow in his intimacy with God and grow in that relationship with God and find that from his heavenly Father. But some of you are married to men who do struggle with this, and they look at you completely and fully for that validation. And so you have to know, like, they are, like, hanging on your words, that build them up and strengthen them. And those things become very valuable uh, to him. I, I have to tell you though, even though I know where my validation comes from, I do love it, you know, when my wife does give me that, those good words. I do love it still. It still matters, right? I do love it when there's physical contact as well because that speaks to Validation, oftentimes to a man. I put this in your notes. Most all men desire physical connection and touch as a primary source of connection to a woman. They do. They value that. And there's some ladies here, you know, you're like, well, he'd get more of that if he did this. Again, that may be true. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, like, how he sees this. It's important to him. It validates him. And when it's withheld, it can, of course, lead to all kinds of other issues going on in the relationship, word validation. It, it is true. I mean, even for me, like if somebody posts something about me online, you know, good, bad, ugly, whatever, like I don't even care about what somebody might write about me on Facebook or on Instagram or something like that. But when my wife says something to me like, you know, that's important, like about me, I pay attention oftentimes to what she's saying above anybody else's voice that's out there. She says, well, you know, Gary, I really like that outfit on you. I'll be bound to wear that eight times a week. You know, if she's the one that likes it, we'll go get 15 more of them, you know, and, and because her words to me are still important. Ladies, your compliments matter and your criticisms matter. And don't forget, ladies, 
when you're utilizing that AK-47 mouth <laughs> to set him off, it leaves a wake of damage behind and your kids see it. And they see that this is how a man is to be treated. Does a man have a mouth problem? Yeah, a lot. Again, we're just talking about this deal today. All right, here's the next thing in your notes. A man wants to be understood. Uh, this uh, comes uh, at, where, at a point where there might be some people who would say, as I share this, they'll say, uh, men will say, at times, even not just today, you hear men say this, they'll say, men want to be understood. Let me tell you, Pastor Gary, it is hard to understand women. You don't understand, man, like that. They're, the, they're just so hard to understand. And, and I get where that comes from sometimes with men. But as I share what I'm about to share with you, what you may find is that men are harder to understand. And there's a reason, there's a reason for it. Uh, we are made different. And understanding each other takes an effort and an energy to learn about where that person came from, what things in their childhood are still affecting them today, what scenarios are playing out regularly, and why are they happening, right? Because we're just different. We have to invest in caring about one another. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Just a reminder here, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. He created him male and then female. He created them. Okay, so they're different. In every way possible, we're just different so many times. I've been watching my wife for 33 years. Uh, b before we got married, we dated for, for about five years. She was at university in uh, Georgia, and I was down here in Florida. And, and then we, we uh, eventually got engaged, and we eventually got married, and now we've been married 27 years, and I've been watching her, and, and she's been watching me. <laughs> Who could blame her, you know? But she, she's, I pay attention to her. I, I'm talking about really what I'm talking about is watching her behaviors, her responses. I find clues by watching her. I watch how she's handled things in life. I've watched when she's tired. I've watched when she's had energy. I've tried to understand her. I've watched her raise her daughters and seen some of the things she did in that. I, I've watched my own daughters to learn things about my own life because of the things that maybe she might have experienced when she was a daughter. I spend time seeing her facial expressions, her body language, her signals, her signs, studying her, learning more about her. And as I learn more about her all the time, it allows our marriage to stay fresh as I'm experiencing more and more new things about her. But she studies me. And she does it because we're different. And she's learned things about me and she's learned things about men. And she's watched my signs, and she's watched my signals, and she's watched my verbal expressions at times, and, and she's paying attention to these things. But here's why this is a greater challenge for men than it is for women. See, women use their words. I don't know if you know this. Women will talk way more than, they'll just talk, you know? And, and the science tells us this, all right? They talk more than men. That's just the reality by a long shot. And so if you give a woman an opportunity to verbally express herself, she just will. She'll share it. But you know what happens with men? They don't. They lock it up. And they don't talk. And where'd they get that from, by the way? When they were growing up, they got it good. They were told, you don't talk like that. You don't share your emotions. You don't share your feelings. Boys don't cry. Shut your mouth. That's what the women do. 
They worry about emotions and responses to emotions, but you don't. And so the man carries it all the time on the inside. And it does become harder for a woman to know what's going on in the man because he just buries it. I think that he'll bury it until he gets an opportunity to maybe, in a non-defensive, non-confrontational way, consistently and regularly gets opportunities to share some things about his life. But I also know that a man, if he doesn't share, and he doesn't get the opportunity to kind of tell what's going on in his heart and in his mind, I do know that he will at times uh, just be silent. And if you don't pick up on his clues, he'll get angry at you for not even paying attention. And again, I'm not saying, ladies, it's even your, your fault. I'm just saying, like, you have, unfortunately, I think a little extra work along the way to deal with this because he's internalized so much. It's probably a reason why maybe men die before women on a regular basis because they keep something inside of them for so very long, internalizing, internalizing, that it just kind of rots them in a quicker way. This is why dating can be so helpful if you take time to really think about these things. In, in dating, you can learn about childhood things. You can ask questions. You can give opportunities for somebody to talk and share in a non-defensive way and just say, hey, let, me let me ask you about your dad and your childhood and let me ask you about the things you learned as a boy that helped shape you as a man. Let me talk, let's talk about uh, what you know about relationships and spiritual relationships with your heavenly father. Maybe you can learn as Jesus Christ radically changed his life from one way of living to another. You can learn these things to understand each other better. I put this in your notes. A man wants a defender. Not a protector. Men are protectors. Supposed to be. But a man wants a defender. I'm talking about a supporter, a helper. Somebody, though, who's got his back, more particularly. There was a song many years ago by Tammy Wynette. Stand by your man. Some of you younger people are like, I don't even know what he's talking about. That's all right. <laughs> Stand by your man. A man wants that woman by his side, standing beside him, having his back. It says this in Ecclesiastes 4.12. One standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back, and they do what? They can conquer. I'm so thankful my wife has learned this and she had to learn it because the work that we do requires this uh, if we're going to be successful. But she's learned this in such an incredible way. The line of work that I have is very different in, than a lot of professions because of the amount of relationships and connectivity we have with people, you know, in a growing, vibrant church. And, and what happens in a, in a church, and this actually happens to every pastor along the way, is uh, he will discover that, uh, uh, you know, while the, the pastor is teaching about forgiveness and, 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 and dealing with forgiveness and how we need to forgive one another and care for one another, the pastor discovers that some of that that the congregation is learning doesn't always make its way to the pastor. In other words, at times, if somebody doesn't like something I said or I didn't do something they thought I should do or respond in a certain way or whatever it may be, uh, though they may have told me at one time they were going to be with me forever and ever, they're gone the next day. 
And so as a pastor, again, this is unique, and I'm not sharing this for you to pity me. I know where my validation comes from, so I'm good. I don't share this with you for any other reason so you can understand how amazing my wife is. Uh, She knows that she's got to have my back because on any given year, 30 to 50 people walk out on us. And so she's got to be strong and she's got to be there for me. And so, and, and so she is, and, and I'm grateful for that. She's learned to be a defender for me. In fact, I, I could tell you this, if, if sometimes people will come at her to get to me. And that is not a good idea because she got my back. And, and, and I'll tell you, she'll, if you come to her about the church, about me, she'll listen to you for, for just a little bit. But if Jesus doesn't kind of get a hold of her very carefully, she'll want to cut you. Or well, she will wrestle you and rip your hair out is what she'll do. Because she's got my back. She's my defender. Why would she be such an amazing weapon of mass destruction? Because we are one flesh. We are united. We are together in this thing. We are a team. There are weapons that are out there that are wild and amazing, but there is nothing like the power of a female watchdog. Now, she's got my back. We're a team. There may be times in our own marriage that we don't get it right and we're struggling with some things, but we're a team when people come at us. There may be times when, you know what, we, we're feeling a little bit sick. Uh, I'm sick or she's sick, but we're a team. When we're broke, we're a team. When we're in crisis, we're a team. I also put this kind of under this heading, in a healthy home, he is able to see his home as a safe place for him. When I come home, I, it's important in any household that we leave the chaos of our work and can come home and cleave. To her, to him, more women are working 40 plus hours than ever before. She wants this as well. There's no doubt. And are there men that contribute to the absolute chaos of the home? Of course. But I'm just explaining, you know, again, from the point of view of a man. He wants to come home to shelter and love and calm, leave the chaos and the hurt of the day elsewhere. He wants that environment. I'm so grateful that I have that in my wife. It is a big deal when a man is able to come home to that kind of level of home. On the other hand, it is very miserable when you go to work and you've had all the misery and things that you've dealt with at work, and then you come home and it's miserable there. This is why, again, a man may not come home because it's just too messy. Ladies, to remember, you don't need to fix anything for him, of him. It's not your job anyways. You don't need to. It's God's job to fix him. And he, he probably does need some changes. But God is the one who brings change into the human heart. You know, David was um, King David. We know the story about him. We know the story about him and Bathsheba in the uh, Old Testament and how he was on the roof and he sees Bathsheba bathing and, and he starts to see things he shouldn't see and do things he shouldn't do. And so we know that about the text and, and we understand where he was supposed to be and how he wasn't. Uh, I wonder sometimes, Leo, why was he though on that rooftop? And of course, there's a history to that. And I'm just going to speculate on something that's just not even close to being in God's word. But sometimes I wonder like, was he on the roof because it was so bad to be in the home? I don't know, I, I, but at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, he is responsible for the choices that he made in you and I. Uh, we have to understand that this is, at times, a, a man needs a sacred place. He, he needs a place that he can turn to. I, I love it when families fight for each other and stay together. My heart is crushed when families break up and we go down the altar and we, we say to each other in this very nice 15 to 30 minute ceremony how much we love each other and we're going to have the vows for each other and we're going to, till death do we part and we, we say all these beautiful things and love is going to conquer everything and get that crap out of here sometimes, man. I'm talking about the hard days 20 years into the marriage. I'm talking about when you're trying to climb the corporate ladder and there's chaos along the way. Those are the tough days when you've been beat up at work and beat up by other people. I mean, you got to decide as a couple to dig in and say, this is a safe place here at home. We've been through some stuff. We've been through some messiness. But at home, it's a support system. It's a place where we can count on each other. And this is what makes my wife so amazing. And I watched her be that support for me while she worked, while we had financial hardships, while the babies were running around and she still does it today, there is nobody on this planet I respect more than my wife of 27 years who has lived this and played this out for me in my life. We have been through chaos, but when we come home, we are together. Here's the last thing in your notes. A man wants purpose and adventure. He wants purpose and adventure. It starts as a boy and it never leaves him. And this becomes a part of uh, other journeys in his life when he gets older later. But he, he craves that. You know, you, you think about children and boys especially. They, they grow up and, you know, they go do things with... When I was growing up, I mean, we were outside all the time. I don't know about that anymore, but... I mean, all we needed was a, a little hill and we played king of the mountain. Give us a stick and we made it a gun. And we ran around and we did adventure and we played cops and robbers and all that stuff. It was a part of our childhood. as a part of adventure. The boy, when he's young, he dreams about being the star in the game, winning the national title, being the professional athlete, being the hero, being the policeman that took down the robber. He dreams of these things. And then he gets older, and those things begin to fade. But he still wants adventure. He still craves a deep purpose. He just sometimes doesn't know where to find it. And if he does not have an intimate relationship with God, unfortunately, he will try to find adventure in fraud. In other words, things that aren't, are just temporary. They're not real. He thinks they are, right? I'll get more possessions and that, that will be adventurous. Or I'll get, uh, I'll, get, I'll get a bigger career or I'll, I'll get another woman and that'd be adventurous, right? Why do so many men have affairs? It's not because they just plan on marrying a different woman. They do it for excitement and adventure. Something that feels like in their mind, it, it's missing and something is missing. I'll tell you what's missing. It's the adventure of God in their life. And when a man finds that, he finds some of the greatest adventures he'll ever discover in his life. Psalm 57 and verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose in me. When a man or a woman are looking for purpose in their life, who do they cry out to? They cry out to God. 
But if you don't cry out to God, you'll look for purpose and adventure in the wrong things. And so, ladies, this becomes another challenge, right? Because, because this can only come from God. But I make you aware of it. So what can you do? Pray for him. Day in and day out that he develops an intimacy with his heavenly father. Because can I tell you, when I found that intimacy with my heavenly father, he expanded everything in my life. When a man is living small time and he's so interested in power and possessions and pleasures, that's small living. He doesn't know it's small living. But when God gets involved in his life, God expands the, the picture of marriage. That becomes a powerful adventure alone. He expands the picture of being a father. He expands the picture of serving the kingdom of God. And he gets involved in things in his daily life that are so powerful and strong. But until I discovered that, I kind of settled for the small version of life. But then God opened my eyes and said, Gary, here's new adventure for your life. I'm not talking about being a pastor. Yes, that's a part of my adventure. I'm just talking about God-given moments and opportunities to expand your heart and mind about what life can really be. A stirring of the soul. Man wants that. And he needs to find it from God, not the temporary things that fade away in this world. And so ladies, know that that's there and pray and pray that he will discover adventure with his heavenly father, purpose with his heavenly father. Let's pray together. Lord, right now we, we just want to say thank you for, we just, you're revealing things. And I know that there are some ladies here and, and, and maybe even with all of my things that I said during this, they still have a wall up. And I would just say, ma'am, if you have that wall up, could search yourself find out where that came from and seek God for the healing to, to know that God has a way of relationships. Maybe there's some ladies here and this is hard for you because you've experienced some stuff. And I know that's hard as well. And and yet it doesn't change some of these truths for men and things that are important to them. God, all of us together, men seeking God for all of these answers to life and love and relationships. God, you've designed it, you've made it, and so we seek you. Maybe in this crowd there's an unbeliever here. And maybe you're the spouse of somebody who's been waiting on you, praying for you. And maybe the time has come that you say, you know what, I don't want to join her. I want to join him on that spiritual journey. I've been, been on a different path, but I want to be united with her spiritually above all things so that all these other things can be discovered. God, I want to learn from you. I want to know more. And the Bible says you can experience that, but it starts with having a relationship with God. And then he becomes the revealer to you and I. How do you have a relationship with God? Your sin must be forgiven. And you can't do it. God did it. He made a way that your sin could be forgiven for all who receive the gift of Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed on the cross for all of humanity, for all who receive it, they can experience forgiveness and salvation. Their sin is forgiven. They have a relationship with God. And then the journey begins. The journey of life, love, eternal life. Father, right now, maybe there's somebody here. They're just in their heart. They're just turning to you and saying, God, I receive you today. Forgive me of my sin. I accept the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.